All right, good morning, everybody. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 16, that's where we'll be this morning, Proverbs 16. If we can, I'm going to go through some of the slides. It's December, and sorry, Aaron, I surprised you with that. Uh, they're not going to have the December 23rd one. They're going to double up on the last one, so they're getting closer to finishing up the citizenship class. Um, you're welcome to join them for the last few Bits of that. Today, after service, we're having uh, potluck after second service. Welcome to come back and join us for that. Shepherd's pie. Hmm, I'm looking forward to it. You really don't have to bring anything for that, do you? It's kind of all there. So uh, Tonight, prayer, uh, 7 to 8. Uh, we do that the first Sunday of every month. What do you think of that, Carolyn? Where's Carolyn? It's a pretty good graphic, huh? All right. That's tonight. And then the teen Christmas party, that'll be December 10th next week, uh, 5 to 8. Uh, bring a $5 gift for a gift exchange. Lots of food and fun. Yay, I might come. Uh, kids Christmas program practice uh, today after second service for a little bit, right before. <laughs> how are we going to do all this? Potluck's just going to have to wait till we're done with Christmas. So you have to sit there and look at the food and think about the food. And then we'll come in here and we'll have uh, our, our potluck after we do our practice here. But that's December 17th at 11, right after for that second service. December 24th, well, that's a Sunday, obviously, and we're going to do a 7 p.m. candlelight service, so we're adding that to our service, so that's when that is. And, and I think then uh, the last slide, if we even have one for that, Wednesday, there's no service. We take a break in between Christmas and New Year's, so there's no service. That's where we get some stuff done around here. They're going to uh, clean all the cracks out and fill them with epoxy and stuff, and we're also going to paint some rooms during that time, so... And then our New Year's Eve uh, party, our potluck, is at after second, uh, you know, first and second service, 6 p.m. We'll meet back here if you want to come for that and uh, bring in the new year with us. So that's it. I won't do that every Sunday, but I thought, well, it's December. We better go through everything. So there it is. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning and uh, this worship time we've had so far. We want to continue in this attitude of worship and receive your wisdom that you've written down for us that we take heed this morning, not just to acknowledge or agree with, but to apply if we haven't already, um, that you would change our hearts and desires of our hearts and move us closer and closer uh, into the image of your son, Jesus. We want to be changed and transformed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As the king writes to his son in uh, chapter 16 of Proverbs, he uh, starts off with, the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Um, that's the first thing we do is to prepare our hearts. And he'll, he'll say this a couple different times in this chapter, that when our hearts are prepared in the right way, our mouth answers the right way. And when it's not prepared the right way, oftentimes we react or respond inappropriately, not like the Christians that we are or would like to be. And so there's a preparation of the heart. This morning, your heart's being prepared. You showed up here where you could have been doing a lot of other things, and you decide, I'm going to prepare my heart today. I'm going to make myself available to the Lord for him to do what he wants to do, physically by reading his word, but also supernaturally by being in the presence of the Lord and worshiping him. And, uh, um, and so we're preparing our hearts. And then our answer is right. The answer of the tongue comes from the Lord. Our hearts are his. They're prepared. And when I open my mouth, I don't have to worry about saying the stupid thing that I normally say. And I don't know if anybody can identify with that. But um, that's where I am a lot of times. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the God that is working in you both to will and to do. 
And just letting God work in our hearts is a tremendous uh, step in the right direction. I, I, tremendous and step don't go together. It's a tremendous leap in the right direction. Just letting God work. It seems like that's a no-brainer, like that's just a part of it, but you'd be surprised how much we get in the way of God just doing what he wants to do in our lives, you know? Um, I've watched a lot of houses be constructed and buildings be constructed. In fact, when JC was a little boy, we used to drive to the construction sites just to see the big yellow equipment moving around and moving the dirt, how fun that was. And we just sit there, you know, and it was great, but... When it got muddy or when it, the weather was too bad, we'd show up on the site to see what their next thing was, and nobody'd be there. You know, it got in the way of what they wanted to do. The weather did. Nowadays, all I hear from contractors that are trying to expand is I can't find anybody that'll show up at a consistent rate and do what they're asked to do and actually work for eight hours in a row. It gets in the way. You know, we get uh, can be lazy sometimes, or we can be. Uh, just not as enthusiastic maybe about God working in our life until we, we get in the way sometimes. I'd like to have a quiet time this morning. He wakes us up at 5 a.m., you know, if we're lucky. Some of us are like 3 a.m. for me. Kim and I were talking about that. I don't want to get up. I don't know. I just need the sleep. I know what today is. I know what's coming today. I know I'm going to need my rest. And, and what God is trying to say is the refreshment that you're looking for for the rest of the day is going to come from this time in my presence this morning. You think it's the extra hour of sleep that you need, and I'm telling you, I'm giving you a, a more lasting, a long-lasting refreshment if you get up with me and spend time with me. We can get in the way sometimes. So anyway, God wants to work. Verse 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Well, I think that's fair. It's, it, we're wrong a lot of times, but it's fair. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, this is going to be a disaster. I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, we really think we're doing the right thing, or we ordered the right parts, or we showed up at the right time. You know, nobody intends to be this, that, or the other thing to, to destroy the situation, but it seems right. Now, this is where, and I think he's trying to instruct his son is, be careful about being so sure you know, about these things. Be careful about being so right that nobody else could possibly challenge that, you know, kind of thing. Um, I don't have a great example, and I'm tired of using myself and throwing myself under the bus. I wish I could find one of you to throw under the bus. But there are times when you just know for sure it's at seven. It said seven. I saw the invitation. The invitation said seven. It's seven. I don't know. I think it was 730. No, it's 7. I know it is. It's 7. We're going at 7. And you get there, it's like 7.30. You know, that's a mild one that maybe we've all run into before. There's some bigger issues, though. You know, as I try to, and we as Christians try to share with a lost and dying world, it is hard sometimes because they are absolutely sure. They're absolutely sure. And you're like, well... Let me throw a few questions your way about your philosophy for life. Let's follow your philosophy to its logical conclusion then. You know, so if this is true, like you say, isn't this then true? And you can hopefully take people there, you know, and bring people to that place. God does that with his word with me all the time. Oh, uh, 
it just happened to me. Oh, I hope I can remember what it is. I usually can't at that time. Anyway, I was, I was absolutely sure. It's like, I had never read that before. Oh, I know what it was. It was, and this is not, oh, this is going to sound like I'm trying to ask for money. And I'm not. I'm not. Don't tithe at all today. Um, no, you got to tithe. Uh, but I was thinking about that. We talked about that earlier, a tenth. Um, way back with Abraham. Remember we were talking about that? Maybe that was on a Wednesday. I don't remember what it was, Sunday or Wednesday. But then I was reading about Jacob's rock. Remember when he has the dream and he lays the rock up and he pours oil on it? He remembers the time he had the dream of Jacob's ladder on it. He puts the rock up. He says, this is the rock where God spoke to me. And that's all I remember about that. And so I was going to use that uh, when I was ministering to somebody about a remembrance stone or something like that. And I read the next line in there. It says, and I will give a tenth of all that I have. And I went, ooh. You know, oh, I'd never known he had said that. Abraham said it before the law. Jacob said it before the law. And I'm like, wow. Now that's for me, probably because I need to tithe more. Um, But I thought, wow, I always knew that verse and I knew that story. And I've been doing this a long time. You'd think I'd know these things. And so as I'm reading, I'm like, wait, where did that come from? Has that always been there, God? Well, duh, of course it has. You just ignored it because you didn't, you know. Anyway. Be prepared to be taught by the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit, uh, in other words, be teachable, I think is the bottom line. Be teachable in these things. So our ways seem right to us, but God weighs the Spirit. You know, there might be more that he wants to share. Verse 3, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Um, uh very comforting for me. Uh, it, it, I don't want to dumb it down too far, but for me, this is what I say. So I've I've come to the place where it's like, look, I I I think about you know you you come home on Sunday afternoons after doing this, administering or thinking you've ministered anyway, and you think you've taught the best, and you come home, you're like, I don't know, you know, and you begin to reevaluate, and you go over it, over every conversation, you go over everything you shared, and you begin to think, ah, I should have, I should have said that, and oh, I shouldn't have, definitely not have said that, I should not have said that, and you go through those things, you know, it's not fun, and eventually you have to get to that place, especially after you've been doing it for a couple decades. Look, I did the best I could. I gave it my best. My heart in the situation, whether I said the wrong thing or didn't say enough in this area, I did what I thought I was supposed to do this morning. That's going to have to. That's going to have to be it. It's going to have to be it, or I'm going to die doing this. I gave my best, you know. And so understand that when he says it, commit your works to the Lord. You know, I love my wife. With everything I knew how, with all the tools and equipment that I was given and learned from the Lord, I loved my wife and I loved my husband the best that I could. I'm sure there's room for improvement and we want to improve, but I I did it. I I commit my works to you, God. I did it as unto the Lord, these things. And let that peace, that's what he comes up with. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You'll calm yourself down. You'll remove anxiety and anxiousness about what if, and should I have, and maybe, and look, I did it. I did it as unto the Lord, and you commit it to the Lord, you know, and let your thoughts be established. Be encouraged in that. God wants us to have peace and rest. That's why he came, not only for working for salvation, but in life. I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to have anxiety. God doesn't want any of that for any of us. And so you have to commit your ways to the Lord. Now, I, I, I'm all for improvement too. I don't want to go so far as to say that I don't care 
hey, you get what you get. No, no, no. That, that's not what he's saying here. But I do want to commit it. Look, I, I, I'm going back over my mind, and my heart was really, I really meant the best. And that's it. And that's all you can do, you know. Um, now, God, if you want to improve next week, I'm all for that, you know, bring it. But I'm going to commit my way next Sunday also, and next Sunday, and next Sunday, and next Sunday. And same for you. Tomorrow, Tuesday, or Monday, I'm going to commit to you, Lord. So be encouraged in that. God wants to give you rest. Verse 4, the Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Some people misunderstand this. See, he made some people just to burn. He made firewood for hell. No, he didn't. That's not what he's talking about. God is (laughs) all-knowing. He knows everything. Um, And if he knows you're going to choose Christ, he made you. And if he knows you weren't going to choose Christ, he still made you. He still made you. That's the point. And hopefully not you. I don't mean to mean you. Um, or point to, I better stop pointing at people at church. He made you for hell. No, uh, he just did it anyway. And, and every time that's spoken of in scripture where people assume that he made some people one way and made other people another way as if there's no choice in the matter, he always follows up with this exact statement. I made you anyway is the idea. I knew you weren't going to receive me, but that doesn't mean I, I couldn't make you. I had to make you. That's what love does. Love gives you the opportunity. Now, I just know what you're going to do. I know the future. I see all things. I'm outside of time. I know the, the, the day I, I made you and the, and the day you decided not to follow me. I know those things. It doesn't mean I don't make you just because I anticipate or know that you're not going to choose me. You know? <laughs> So he made, that's what he's saying there. The Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. He made them anyway. Verse five, everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. I think we all know that pride is not good, obviously, um, um, but an abomination. Uh, There's a lot of things. In fact, that's a great thing to look up. If you want to look up and do a word search, look up the word abomination and then read all the scriptures that have to do with it. So you know, because it seems to be worse than everything else, right? When God takes the time to, I don't like this, I don't like that, and this is an abomination, and then he goes on, it's like, I want to make like a special asterisk around those things where he says, those are an abomination. Those are big to me, God says. Not that there's small sins and big sins, but this one, I just cannot abide, you know. Being prideful is one of those things. Being prideful is. And so when he sees that pride well up in me, when he saw the pride well up in the disciples, you know, I don't, I'm not throwing them under the bus. It's just let's throw them under the bus instead of us today. When he saw that, it, it was an abomination to him. Now, what did he do with that, though? I think that's important. When he saw that abomination in his disciples, he tried to correct it. That's important. He didn't just say, it's an abomination. You know, find another 12 while they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. No, no, guys, watch me. Watch me some more. See, I got the loincloth on here, and it's not an issue, and I'm not doing it actually to be seen. I just want you to recognize that I'm washing your feet and that you ought to be able to do this too without arguing or thinking anything of it. You know, he tried to correct that abomination. That's important too. But it's an abomination nonetheless. Proverbs 29, 27, a person who is walking in an upright way is an abomination to the wicked. I thought I'd throw that in there. You're, you're, either, you're all going to be abominations, 
congratulations. It's just a matter whether you're an abomination to God or an abomination to the wicked. Don't be surprised when you can't get the world to understand why you walk with Jesus. It's an abomination to them. That's normal. He's going to say here that he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There is a way to do that where God protects you and keeps you out of your enemy's mind or keeps your enemies away and protects you, but they're still your enemies. You're still an abomination to them. That doesn't absolve you of that in your life. It just means they're not going to attack you or be able to win in that sense. You're either going to be an abomination to God or an abomination to the wicked. And I guess the choice is obvious, I would think, for us. It's just important to know that. It's important to know that, that it shouldn't be a surprise when the wicked don't appreciate your walk or your Jesus or your relationship with him, you see. Even the wicked. Verse uh, 6, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Um, I think mercy and truth are, are, the, are the prescription and the, they're the healers, in other words. Uh, those are the things that um, it's, uh, it's by knowing that you're getting mercy from God, which is, by the way, forgiveness without punishment. That's come up several times in my quiet time and in different ways in my life recently in the last two weeks. Forgiveness without punishment. Now, I don't know why that's so important, but it's very important for us to get that this morning. It just keeps coming up. Because sometimes I think, obviously, we think forgiveness, but we hold it against them, or it's in the back of our mind, or we're ready to pull it out of mothballs just in case they do it again kind of thing, and we're ready to punish. And when God says, no, I want you to forgive like I forgive, I forgive you without any punishment from me. I don't have to burn a little bit for my big sin. I don't burn at all for my sin. There is no heat involved. So when I say I forgive somebody, that's how God wants us to forgive each other, with no punishment. That's what this is. That's how... uh, uh, these things, that's how atonement is provided for, by this mercy with the truth. The truth is this, and then I'm going to give you mercy. So there's no punishment. Telling people the truth and then forgiving them for it isn't a punishment. You know, don't make that mistake. It's just you need to know that that's wrong. The Bible says that's wrong, and I want you to know that I forgive you for that. And there's no punishment involved. In fact, I'll never, I'm not even going to bring it up ever again. God commands me that I can't bring that up ever again. I can't. If I'm supposed to forget like he forgets, and we can't really forget, it is hard. It may come to our mind, this is the fifth time they've done this. I can't say that out loud, nor can I bring that up. Or I didn't ever forgive them. I didn't. That's mine. When I forgive somebody, I'm keeping that, and it's far away. It's never coming out again. I'd like to forget it. I want that. I pray for that. But it's never going to come out again. Okay. You get it. Forgiveness without punishment. Verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I told you that was coming. Um, In John chapter 8, verse 29, I always do what pleases the Father. That's what I'm going to focus on here. I don't know what it means necessarily when my enemies are at peace with me, except that it's the absence of conflict. Maybe it's their they're not on my team. They're still my enemies. They haven't joined the Lord. I would like them to, 
Um, I just know that I'm living my way in such a... For example, if Jesus did this verse, which he did, he always lived to please the Father, well, his enemies crucified him. So we have to take that into account when we read this. What does it mean to be at peace with them? Well, it meant that as long as God wanted him to do ministry, God made his enemies at peace with him. Remember they were going to toss him off the cliff at one point, and he just passed through the midst of them? That was weird. Well... You're not going to be able to touch my son until it's time to touch my son. The same goes for you in your walk with Jesus. He'll make your enemies at peace with you, provide a way you can travel until it's time. None of us escape it. Um, Sometimes it's time for persecution for us from this world, from the wicked. Sometimes it's not. Um, But God does that, and he ordains that, and he, he says so. A man's ways, when a man's ways, please the Lord. When you're walking with God, when you're doing your mission, when you're fulfilling your ministry, God makes sure you can fulfill your ministry. No one can get in the way of that. Now, it just happened to be that Jesus's ministry was to go to the cross. I mean, it was the Father that did this, that allowed this. That's important. When you look back at Genesis 22, and we think about the foreshadowing, on the same mountain with Abram and taking his son Isaac on top of the hill, the same place, same geographic location anyway, when the father rests the wood upon the son's back, Isaac carried the wood up the hill for the sacrifice, and in the hand of the father was the instrument of wrath, was the knife. You get the whole picture here? Jesus' ministry was that. Our ministry is to carry our cross daily. We're called to that. And as long as we're doing the mission and the ministry that God wants us to do, our ways are pleasing to the Lord. You don't have to wonder about that. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm living for Christ. And I'm proclaiming him to the world. You know, he makes your enemies at peace with you. Until, until. Um, Verse 8. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Um, Do you have those pictures? These are stupid pictures. This is what I came up with this morning. You know how it's Christmas time and everybody says, you know what? Bob's a tool guy. Look, these are on sale. $24.99 for all these. Every tool guy knows what those tools are worth, right? <laughs> They're overpriced. <laughs> 24 bucks is too much for all those. Now go to the next one. It's about the same price for a really nice number two Phillips. Okay, now that's a good tool. And I've used a lot of Phillips. None of me cares that you have to listen anyway. This one, that tip will never round off on these Weehives. None of them. It's made in Germany. Never. You see that metal on the end cap over there? That's so that you can hit it with a hammer if you need to. Like you've got a stripped out star, you know, a Phillips. You can whack it and make a star again if you wanted to just to get some grip on it. That is a full tang. That's a wonder. It's the same price as all those other tools. So when you're thinking about getting a tool guy a tool, might want to ask him what that is. Now, the reason I, well, how does that apply to scripture? I don't know. It's just a, a hint towards Jenny. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, better is a little with righteousness. I'd rather have the Phillips for 24 bucks that I know. I was like, that's an awesome tool. Everybody's going to want this tool. I'm hiding this tool from all my friends that'll steal it from me. Friends. Then vast revenues without justice. And that's a horrible way to teach that scripture, but there it is for you anyway. Verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's wonderful. Um, 
Every one of us has a plan for the rest of the afternoon, probably. Do the Chiefs play? I look at you, Kevin, because you've got to know, right? What time? Everybody's like, 7 o'clock, hurry up. (laughs) Wings got to get cooked. They're not going to cook themselves. Um, We've got plans for today, you know, and you've got plans for tomorrow, and that's great, and we should. You should. I think God loves a life of order, and we had to be pretty. But we also have to be open to interruptions and disruptions. I think interruptions and disruptions, if you're a person who is prepared for disruption, you'll never be disrupted. It'll never be inconvenient for you when God steps in and, and you allow God that room to change the day for you. You know, It's not an interruption. Sometimes the disturbances or the interruptions are actually protecting you from going in a direction you shouldn't go. A oh, flat tire, I can't believe it, you know. And then there's a car accident up there, you know, ahead that you might have been involved with. That's the usual. There's a lot of other things, though. Ever work on a project? You know how to do it. You've done it a million times before, but today nothing's working. You got to go to Sutherland's 12 times to get the right plumbing fitting. You're like, why is this not happening? Why is this that? You know, what is going on? Well, that's because I want you to talk to Sue at Sutherland's. Or I want you to talk to Brian at Sutherland's. They need to see you more often. They got things on their mind. And I've been keeping bringing you back to see if you pray with them or not. Now, Sue, if Brian, if you're watching, we don't, you're not a ministry. You know, I don't want you to think we're targeting you, but I use you as an example. That's sometimes what it's about. It ain't about your pipe fitting. I want you to pray with Brian. Brian's got stuff on his mind. Yeah, but I got to get this plumbing done. It's not more important, you know? So let those disruptions and interruptions take place. Verse 10. Divination is on the lips of a king, of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. I think he's simply saying, in my opinion, I think this could probably go a lot of different ways, but be careful what you're talking about. None of us are kings necessarily, but we are. I mean, uh, in the sense that we have an influence and there are people that listen to us and don't listen to us, and that that varies between people. Sometimes it seems like the only people who listen to me are my kids, and they don't even listen to me half the time. Well, you're still, in a sense, you know, in charge and someone that they look up to. Be careful what you say. It's important. They're listening to you, you know. Um, and, and don't waffle and be that. You need to have some, some uh, have solid lips. And that comes from, we read earlier, from the preparation of the heart, you know. And I'm going to give the right answer when the kids ask me the surprise questions. Or an employee or, or an employer or whoever it is that may come to you. You know, and, and honestly, as a child of God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're open to God using you in ministry, it could be anybody coming into your path that day that might ask you a question. My heart has to be prepared not only to do my job today, but be prepared for the kingdom of God's job to be done today. My ministry needs to be fulfilled. And am I ready for that? You know, um, so verse 11, honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Hmm, interesting. Uh, when they would buy and sell, the crooked guy would have a set of weights because they would measure stuff out, you know. Uh, when they buy and sell, they'd have crooked weights. Some weights were meant for the selling and some the other bags for the buying. Uh, and we hit on that briefly. The guys that would trade the loaf of bread, the pound of bread for the pound of butter, and the guy getting the butter says, hey, my butter's getting light. He goes, I don't know how it can be. I'm measuring against your bread. 
you know, you've been skimping on the bread. I can't help it if, if you're doing that, if you're being a cheat. That's why you don't have the, the, the butter that you, you want, you know, or that you are expecting. Um, this happens in a lot of ways. Um, we can do this, and he's being obviously using an example of buying and selling and, and, and commerce, but we can do that with each other in relationships, um, and we can weigh things differently. My, the things I do for you, Steve, they're awesome and heavy. And what you do for me, what you give back, it's nothing. I'm not getting my money's worth out of Steve over here. You know, you got to be careful. Are you using honest weights and measurements? Because God is, and God is watching, and God is looking, you know, and seeing these things. Oftentimes, whatever we give seems to be weightier or heavier than what everybody else is giving back to you whether that's a husband and wife, whether that's whatever it may be. I don't want to just keep picking on married people. Um, but you, you might think, look, I've been keeping track, and, and the scales are like this. You know, I was going to say Bill. Is there anybody here named Bill? I don't want to name Bill's. You know, when, when's Bill going to pony up and pay back in this marriage and get this thing evened out? Uh, you're using the wrong weights and measures. God is weighing all these things. You know, In fact, quit... Quit watching the scales altogether. Verse 12. It is an abomination for kings to commit uh, wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. You may be given the throne, but you're going to establish yourself as king by what you do with that authority, with that power, with that responsibility. Verse 13. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him who speaks what is right. So not only does the king need to be careful what he says, people need to be careful what they say to the king. Now, none of us are kings, so maybe this is hard, but I don't think it needs to be. Um, if I appreciate honesty and people being forthright and not hiding or concealing matters, then I need to carry myself the same way. I need to be, speak honestly, own up to mistakes, um, tell the truth, um, with love in my heart, of course, with the best intention of the person in front of me, because that's what I want them to do for me. If I want mercy, I need to be given it out, is the idea. Verse 15, in the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like the, a cloud of the latter rain. Um, now, the king is writing this, and he understands how important it is to the person. Um, they know what it's like when... when uh, Someone, and I guess the best way to use this would be for a child to look at an adult, and I'm not even going to say father and son or mother and daughter, but a child looking at an adult. Because I think about that children's ministry back there. You can teach everything you were supposed to teach. You can hand out the snacks when you're supposed to hand out the snacks. You can return the kids safely to their parents and still not ministered. You may not have reached their heart. You may have undermined everything that God wanted to do that day and that night because your face, your countenance, the way you carried yourself, the kids pick up on that 10 times more than what they heard you speak from your mouth. If you're a teacher and you're looking at these little kids saying, Jesus loves you, well, you need to work on your presentation there a little bit. Or why isn't anybody listening to the love of God this morning? I was terrified in Sunday school. I heard about the love of God today. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. You missed the point entirely, entirely. So 
We're not kings. We don't wear, carry, carry crowns. But boy, people are looking at our faces and they, they want approval. They want encouragement. Uh, they want to know that you're not mad at them. They want to know that you love them. They need to know that. And that's important for us to communicate to them. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I picked up from this anyway. Um, uh, let's see. Where am I? Lost my place. Messenger of death. Sixteen. Thank you. How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get uh, understanding uh, is to be chosen rather than silver. Well, I'll take understanding any day. Um, I think that's one of the big things with us in homeschooling is, um, and the reason we do it is one of the, one of the reasons is we're not trying to get through a curriculum. I mean, we are, we have deadlines and we, we try to meet those deadlines and we do want to intensify maybe some schooling if we don't think we're going to make it for Christmas break or we can anticipate a couple weeks off here and there. So we want to meet those, those, those uh, benchmarks for ourselves. But the important thing is we don't move on until it's understood. That's the key. Um, because you will build upon a test result and when it comes down for a unit, evaluation, <laughs> they didn't learn anything, but they got okay tests all the way through, you know. Um, and so that, that can be a, a problem with us. Um, it's better to get the understanding um, and, and, to, and to grab wisdom, which is the use of knowledge, um, than it is just to have the, uh, the data is the idea. Verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Um, it is. It's a highway. <laughs> uh, verse 18 goes along with it. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Verse 19, better to be a humble spirit with, a, with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Um, these things uh, God honors. Uh, an upright person is a humble person. Um, a, a person that has a haughty spirit does end up falling. In fact, verse 18 is the one we use for pride goes before a fall. It's not really what it says, but it's the same idea. I mean, we just shortened it, um, but it goes before destruction. James chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. James knows. He knows pride's an issue. James writes to believers. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the believers. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Quit trying to lift yourself up. It isn't necessarily even trying to find humility. It's hard to do that, you know. Gosh, I wish I was so I was more humble. It's just really hard for me. I just I don't I don't know how to find humility. Well, you don't know yourself very well. Um, God will help you with that. It, it's simply just, don't elevate yourself. Quit trying to put yourself in front or in in someone's view or. Um, if you just start there, I'm just not going to elevate myself because some people feel that need. And I don't know if it's something you grew up with or you felt rejected or overlooked for a lot of times, but they feel that need. If I don't promote myself, nobody else is going to is the concern. And that's how the world operates. That's how they operate. If you don't promote yourself, you're going to get passed up. You know, you're going to be a doormat. That's the big thing, right? You don't want to be a doormat. Don't be a doormat. Do you think God doesn't see you, doesn't know, notice these things, doesn't see the fact that people are walking on you, that people are stepping over you, and that you're getting passed up, or they're being misunderstood. God sees all that. 
God is simply saying, I want you to trust me with your reputation. I want you to trust me with your advancement. I want you to trust me with your life. Can you give me that? You know, don't promote yourself. He'll do it. Matthew 23, 12. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now that's right out of his mouth. It's it's a warning for us. Don't worry about that exaltation. Let that come from God if he chooses to do it. Um, I think it was Philip. Philip was the one I think of. He was in the middle of Philip. He was a, a deacon, started off as a deacon. They said, we need some guys that can serve the widows. So they picked seven guys full of the Holy Spirit, equipped, baptized with the Holy Spirit, saved, born again, on fire, to serve tables. Okay, that's necessary for serving tables. So he does. And the next thing you see is about half these guys do an unbelievable ministry. Uh, something that we would consider unbelievable, as if taking, taking care of widows wasn't enough. All of a sudden, Philip's in the middle of this massive revival. And the word of God is just exploding, and people are getting saved. And he says, but I got this Ethiopian. And so he takes Philip out of this massive flourishing ministry and sets him on the side of the road to meet a guy. One, one guy. Now, some of us are thinking, well, strategically, he's the Ethiopian eunuch. That's the guy that was in charge of the money. So when he gets to Ethiopia, the whole continent's going to get saved. And so really, it was uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, we do know that the gospel gets there. And it was probably the Ethiopian eunuch who was wondering. He had come to Jerusalem, was seeking the Lord, came with an Isaiah scroll. He bought it, you know, got a souvenir from Jerusalem. I'm reading it in the thing. I don't understand what I'm reading. I don't know what's going on. And there's some guy on the side of the road says, you want me to help you explain, explain that to you, you know? And then when he's done and baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch, he just removes Philip and puts him someplace else. See, I want to be that kind of chess piece in God's hand. He's, he's playing chess when the rest of the world, when, when Satan's playing checkers, right? You know, God's saying, no, I'm going to take him out of that. That doesn't make any sense. I know, watch. Yep, okay, he baptized him. He's done there and puts him over here. I mean, it, it's really talking about rapture situations where he was once there and now he's just vanished. It's not like he disappeared in the bushes and crept away from the Ethiopian eunuch. It says he just moved him and took him and the Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more, you know, kind of thing. Big stuff for a humble guy who's willing to serve tables and take care of widows filled with the Spirit. And if this is all God does with me, praise the Lord, my life is fulfilled. But now I'm a part of a big revival. And now I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not being punished. I'm just being moved by God because I can be moved by God. It isn't a demotion. I'm a piece. I'm being used. I'm a tool. I'm that $23 Phillips screwdriver. God's moving me around. He can trust my... My edge, you know, be encouraged in that. I think it's encouraging personally. Um, pride goes before fall. Let's see, where am I now? Twenty uh, twenty. He who heeds the word um, wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Oh, that, that's the one time where it actually says happy. We always talk about joy, don't we? And we go too far, I think, sometimes. Well, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be happy to have joy. You can still have joy and not be happy. Oh, great. You know, it's true, but it's like happiness, too. You know, it doesn't always have to be a, 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 a drudgery to be a Christian. You know, I have the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. My life stinks, but I got the joy of the Lord. You know, joy isn't happiness. Here he says we can be happy. 
I want you to be happy. He says in verse 22, understanding. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Philip, Philippians 4, 6. That's what I want to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, see, through this proverb, God is building upon precepts and understandings. If, if you'll trust your way to me, if I can disrupt you and interrupt you, and you're not going to be mad and you're going to go with it and trust me that this is my hand because you committed your way to me, you're going to be a much happier person. The disruption and the, and the interruption don't bum me out. I'm not depressed and mad. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's happening now. You know, I wonder where this is going to take me today. And now I'm not anxious about my schedule. And, you know, how am I going to get this done? I guess God's going to have to figure that out too, you know. You'd be a much happier person. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Do you trust the Lord with your life? Not just with your eternity, with your salvation, but with your current life. Do you trust him with it? The waiting. Why isn't it happening yet? How much longer? When is this going to be over? When is this going to start? Can I just let all that go? And trust the Lord that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And I can be happy right here, right now. It, to not worry about tomorrow, but to be content with what God's given me today. I've got enough ministry today to last me today. Tomorrow, I bet there's more. You know, And trust the Lord for that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You have cares this morning. He wants you to cast them on him, you know, throw them on him. You know, this is too heavy for me. It's your turn, you know, and God's like, I got this. He's got big shoulders. He can carry my whole life. He can carry every care and concern that I have. He can carry it all. I need to cast them on him. It's not my job to keep Calvary Chapel moving forward. It's not my job. It's not my job to raise my kids to become this, that, or the other thing. It's my job to trust the Lord with my kids and to do what he's placed in front of me. It's, I'm called to be here Saturday, and I don't know what I did. I put up a wreath. I tried to fix our cameras that are kind of wonky, and they're kind of working now. Some of them are, and some of them are. And, we, and some people fixed the light. A lot longer than they were here, a lot longer than I was, you know, and cleaning, and we touched up some paint and stuff. Eh. Calvary Chapel is a little cleaner and shinier today than it was Friday, you know, kind of thing. But to trust the Lord for these things. The ministries are His, my loved ones are His. My job is to just be the Christian in their life and around them and to be like Christ for them. And boy, there's, there's happiness there. There's joy, there's a peace and a contentment that we can have if we, if we do. Verse uh, 21, the wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases learning. <laughs> Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. Last week was a hard teaching for me. Even I was bored up here, and I can tell you guys were too. I'm like, I don't know how to make set 15 exciting. I, it's just one thing after the other, you know? And I, I went home going, I don't blame them, you know, kind of thing. 
And this, this verse, you know, there's, if there's sweetness in the lips, if my heart is right, can you tell that I'm more joyful today? I don't know if you can or not. I, I carry myself differently when my heart is right. Everybody sees that in you too. Everybody. Your family. Uh, your coworkers. When I show up at my job that I don't necessarily like, I'm just going to assume that from a lot of people, you know, but I show up joyfully. Hey, look, today we're going to do the same thing we did in the last 15 years, you know, kind of thing. Ain't nothing new under the sun, is there? <laughs> How was your week? I don't know. And you're just doing the same thing you've always done. Everybody's lifted up. I got called to do mess duty one time. Um, I don't know what we called it that. We called it kitchen duty, but... Um, I did a lot of dumb things in Iraq when we were in Bahrain, you know, not cool things. My kids always make fun of me because the first thing we did was we built a tent city. That's boring. Did you shoot anybody? Did you blow anybody up? No, but we laid a lot of concrete pads. I tell you that, 20, 12 hours a day. We were on 12-hour ships, day and night. Build, oh, then what'd you do? Well, then we built toilets. We built toilets and cut barrels in half and... and uh, Oh, that's exciting, you know, kind of thing. And now guess what? Now that we're done with all that stuff and we don't need you engineers anymore, the wire entanglements and up, the wine fields are in, everything, we got our maps. Guess what you get? We need two of you to go to kitchen duty. Kitchen duty? Yep. Never done that before in my life, in my history of military career. There I was doing kitchen duty. And I had this kid that was with me. He was, the I don't even know his name, the greatest guy. Just the greatest guy. Now, usually when you get put on kitchen duties because your unit wants to get rid of you for a while, that was probably the case. I don't know. We had so much fun. We made it fun. And the chief, the chief who was in charge, the cook that was in charge, brought us into the tent. He goes, I got to tell you, I need you guys to clean that out, and I need you to put lime all over this and do this all over. And we're like, and so we made a joke out of it. We go, hi ho, hi ho, it's off the lime. We go, and we just, stupid. And the guy was like, thank you. Thank you for not complaining or kicking the rocks or whatever. Like, we're here all day long. It doesn't matter what you tell us to do. We'll do it with a happy heart. We were both believers, kind of new. And it just made everything better, especially for him. Guys, we, can, we bring that. We can bring that wherever we go, you know, um, within reason. I don't know that I'd sing that song at your job, but you can bring joy. You know, it's important. Bring it. Okay, I got a lot of verses left, don't I? I'm going to stop. We'll pick it up next week. I think that's important. We'll stop right there. We'll pick up in 23 next week. Okay, we don't normally cut it in half, but I think that's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I don't want to rush the rest of this text, God. There's so much here. Um, and there's enough for us to chew on, obviously. I pray that you'd keep your word hidden in our hearts, um, that you'd bless the rest of our day, God, and help us our, to stay in this attitude of worship, no matter what our schedules are, no matter what, what disruptions or interruptions come our way, God, help us to stay in this place that you have us right now, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a good rest of the day, guys. If you need prayer, come up. we be glad to pray with you.